0: Jesus, would you help us to rejoice as well as we get a clearer picture of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. morning. It's good to be with you all. Glad you are here in person or online. You're back from school. Wherever you are, it's good to have you guys here this morning. We are, as you may know, Next Sunday is officially uh, Advent Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent season. Um, But we here at Belprez, because we we just love kind of moving full speed ahead into the future, whether we're ready for it or not, uh, we're starting Advent this week. (laughs) Not next week. Thank you. I appreciate that response, Christina. Um, We're starting this week. Um, And uh, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, I'm not ready. It's too soon. Won't Jesus be angry that we're messing with the church calendar? Yes, probably. No, he won't be angry. But think of it this way. We're starting early so we can stretch out the Christmas season, just experience more of the joy, and by joy I mean the stress of finding a present for your spouse or loved one or third uncle. Thanks for that, Gary. Uh, We are in the first Sunday of Advent then. We're starting a week early, and here's where we're going to go for our teaching series during this Advent series. Every week up until Christmas Eve, we're going to take a part of a Christmas carol and see what it says about Jesus, the Jesus whose Advent, Advent just means arrival, that we celebrate during the Christmas season. Some of these carols will be familiar, like the one I'm talking about this morning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Others might be less familiar to you, like the one I'll be talking about in three weeks called, Dudley Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. (laughs) The key line from that song is, you may say there's no such thing as Dudley, but as for me and Kendi, we believe. (laughs) If you're new here, Scott Dudley is our senior pastor. If you've been around here for a while, Scott Dudley is our senior pastor. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're all kind of tracking there. Okay, good. We're going to take lines from Christmas carols, kind of hold them up next to scripture and see what we find about Jesus. Why? Because we want a clear picture of Jesus. We want a clear picture of Jesus. The more clearly we see Jesus, the more we become like him and the more we can embody him to the rest of the world We especially want a clearer picture of Jesus during this time of year, where Jesus might be the reason for the season, but usually overspending is the result of the season. And surprise, those two things don't necessarily go together. Now, I don't know what it's like for you and for your family, but growing up, Christmas carols were very important to us. Uh, They were part of, there were melodies and there were lyrics that just kind of were embedded into me from an early age upward. And I remember going Christmas caroling. You guys ever been Christmas caroling? We kind of move in a group, right? I went with my parents and kind of church friends and go from house to house singing Christmas carols, spreading Christmas cheer, something you can't really get away with besides Christmas time, right? If it's Cinco de Mayo, you can't move in a group and launch on somebody's lawn and start singing at them, they'll call the police. But Christmas, you can do that. Everybody's like, Cinco de Mayo? Is that all? Yeah. But you can do it around Christmas. You can do it around Christmas because this music is so much part of our tradition, especially as followers of Jesus. So let's see what some of this tradition shows us about Jesus. Let's go behind the music to discover a clearer picture of Jesus that is framed by some of the familiar lyrics and melodies of Christmas. We start this morning with one of my favorites. Listen to these words from the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. Beautiful lyrics. I love this particular Christmas hymn. It has that beautiful, hauntingly dark melody that kind of underlines the sorrow of Israel's captivity, then suddenly explodes into rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, has come to thee. Our Savior is here. Rescue has arrived. And there's so many reasons why I love this particular Christmas song. But I want to just look briefly at four of them this morning to see what they reveal about who Jesus is and what he is up to even right this moment. The first reason I love this song is that it kind of starts, now stay with me, it kind of starts like the beginning of a great action-adventure movie. What? Yeah, it's true. You jump right into the scene to discover something has been stolen. Someone has been kidnapped. In fact, an entire people group has been kidnapped. We jump right into this scene. This entire people group has been kidnapped, taken hostage by sin and lies and cultural trappings that keep the people of Israel bound. Now, if you think about it, the people of captive Israel are people just like us these many thousands of years later. They may have been captive to both real and metaphorical slavery, But we have our own versions of captivity, don't we? We can be captives to the fear of what others think of us. We can be captives to our need for control. We can be captives of a culture that says it is better to be good-looking than it is to be good. We can be captives to our internal sense of inadequacy and our lack of direction and lack of purpose. We can be captive to appetites that are out of control We can be captives to our regrets about the past and our discouragement about the present and our fear about the future. You name it, we can find a way to be hostage to it. And this song just goes ahead and names that. We're hostages and we need ransom. Something has been stolen. We need rescue. Now it's important to note that the kidnapped person does not get to pay their own ransom. Rescue has to come from the outside, which is a blow to us 21st century Americans who want to do it on our own. We're smart enough. We've got enough resources. We've got enough experience. We can kind of get together, make this happen. We can save ourselves. No, we can't. No, we can't. We can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. Many of us don't even have bootstraps. (laughs) I don't know what that phrase means, actually. Rescue comes from outside of ourselves, which leaves us in a pretty desperate situation, which is the second reason I love this song, because it is a cry for help. It is a cry for help. A friend of mine in California was moving some of her furniture around, and somehow or another, she uh, found herself lodged under her couch. She's a smart woman. I don't know how this happened. All right? The the details are still sketchy. But she genuinely found herself lodged underneath her couch, couldn't get free, was stuck, needed rescue, couldn't reach her cell phone, could reach her laptop. She grabbed her laptop and updated her status on Facebook. (laughs) Help me. I'm stuck under the couch. Here's my address. Come get me. She got a lot of responses. A lot of them were like, LOL, that's pretty funny. Wouldn't that be hilarious if it were true? Oh, you're such a jokester. And no, I'm really stuck. Please help me. Someone eventually came, helped her out from under the couch. She doesn't really like to talk about that story anymore. (laughs) Of course, this cry is a much more desperate one, right? Not just trapped under a couch. This is a cry for help from slavery, from bondage that you can't break free of no matter what you try. It's a cry for help rooted in desperation, a longing for relief, for rescue. Just get me out of this. Just get me out of this. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're right there. Just get me out of this. God, help me. Save us. Bring relief. Bring healing. Rescue me from this situation. This financial crisis, this fear, this doubt, this deep ache of regret, this sense of hopelessness about the future. Rescue me, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. We know what it's like to cry out for help in desperation. It's a cry that grows louder the longer that it goes on. And this beautiful song references the fact that the people of God have been in slavery under various rulers for hundreds of years of years hundreds of years they have been promised a messiah but generation after generation after generation has not seen this messiah show up and they are desperate so the people of god do not politely ask for assistance hey god if you're not too busy could you help no this is a crying out for a savior we are desperate we need rescue how long O lord how long When is help coming? We know that feeling. We know that urgency for relief. Many of us are right there right now. We also know we can't just snap our fingers and make it go away. And that's infuriating and that's terrifying. But it's also the third reason I love this song. Because it honors the fact in this song that there's always space between the question and the answer. There's always this space between the crying out for help and the relief from help. O come, thou day's spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. We are surrounded by death's dark shadows just as Kendi prayed. We're in that space between. We've cried out, but the answer is not fully realized. There's always space between the question and the answer. And 99.9% of the time, that is a space that feels too big. Too big. Almost all of the time, the space between the crying out and the answer to our cry feels intolerable, insufferable. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. The people of Israel cry out for relief, for rescue. They call upon the name of the Lord they trust, and they beg him for deliverance. Send us Messiah. Please, God, send us Messiah. And God answers, and he sends Messiah just a few hundred years after they had started asking for it. What does that say about this Messiah? Well, obviously his ideas of perfect timing are different from my ideas of perfect timing. Right? If I'm making myself dinner I've got an option between two frozen meals, one takes three and a half minutes, one takes five minutes, you better believe I'm going to make the one that takes three and a half minutes because I can't be waiting five minutes for my dinner. Hundreds of years have gone by and Messiah has not shown up. Many of you are in a place that feels just like that. Like it's been hundreds of years. You're stuck. Where is this help? Where is this promised help? You might be thinking to yourself, by this point in life, I thought things would be different. I thought things would be different. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. Or I thought my kids would have left by now. (laughs) That's not even in the notes. I just thought of that. (laughs) I thought I'd have figured out my career by now. I thought I'd be more successful by now. I thought I'd have more purpose and clarity about what I was made for by now. I thought I'd be feeling better about who I was by now. I thought I'd be rich, famous, and better looking by now. Just me? Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Now, a few of you, thank you, Michaela, a few of you might be living in that brief season of gratitude where you've had your prayer answered just as you wanted it to be, just when you wanted it to be, and we rejoice with you. That is a reason to celebrate, absolutely. We rejoice with you because we need that hopeful reminder because we live in that in-between, between between the crying out and the answer. And that is an incredibly difficult place to be, an incredible, lonely place to be. That's why the fourth and final reason I love this song is that it promises rescue has come and is coming. Rescue has come. And rescue is coming. About two and a half years ago, during that huge Haiti earthquake disaster, that took 250,000 people like that, made a million children orphans like that. One of the stories of hope that came out of this was that story of Kiki, who uh, was trapped with his sister for almost eight days under the rubble. And possibly, miraculously, he was rescued and somebody was uh, there to capture the p- picture. Out of this desperation, Kiki emerges. These rescuers, family members, are there to capture him, to grab him. Kiki's life was saved. What an amazing image of hope. My wife was so inspired by this image that she wrote a song about it. You can hear it on katierice.com. That's not a shameless plug, because any money raised goes right to Haiti Relief. But she was so inspired by this picture, she had to write about it, try to capture it. Not just this moment, but the fact that this moment is surrounded by the deaths of hundreds of thousands. This moment, the context of this moment, is that Kiki goes on and his family is still in dire poverty living in these little makeshift homes because his home was destroyed. That's his reality. He has been saved and still needs saving. That's our situation too. We have been saved. As followers of Jesus, we have been saved, rescued from eternal death, and we need saving. Every day, we need saving. This truth is reflected in the scripture that Kendi read earlier. From Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We are people walking in darkness, and there is a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We're living in a land of deep darkness. Some of you are feeling that just now. Yet a light has dawned. From John, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There is darkness but it cannot overcome the light. Both are true. We live on this side of the resurrection. Thank God. And we know that daily experience of little and big deaths. We live in a world saturated in the love of creator God, someone who just loves his creation, and at the exact same time, that creation is just filled with pain and loss. We live in what many call the already, not yet. Already we are rescued. It is finished, but we are not yet rescued. There is still work to be done. It's a paradox, and paradoxes by their nature are nearly impossible to understand. G.K. Chesterton wrote that a paradox is a truth turned on its head. Both are true. God is absolutely, absolutely good, totally trustworthy, and The world is not as it should be. Like Kiki, we have been rescued. but We still need rescuing. We live in that in-between. So let me ask you this. How do we wait well? How do we live in that in-between well? Because this is what the people of Israel had to do. They had to learn how to do this. Between that crying out and that full answer, how do we wait well? I just want to give three quick suggestions this morning. First, we actively trust that God is good. Actively trust. We act on what we do know about God. Yes, there's a lot of life that doesn't make sense, but actually we've got quite a bit that does. We can bank on that. We can make a life around that. And the second thing is really hard. Keep showing up. Even though it's sometimes painful, sometimes exhausting, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Just get there. The second of the, the suggestions is keep crying out. Keep crying out. Don't quit even though it seems like God is not responding. Many of you have been praying for years for a certain situation, for a certain person. And every time you go to pray again, it's, this is ridiculous. At the spiritual level, they must be just laughing at me that I would come and I would ask again because God hasn't answered even though I prayed. And yet God says, no, keep crying out. And don't just cry out alone. Cry out in community. The people of Israel cry out for rescue. Not just one or two of them. The entire people. We as a people cry out for rescue. For ourselves. For our families. For our friends. For our neighborhoods. For our world. Keep crying out. And finally, number three. Act as agents of rescue for others. It's really bizarre But for some reason, God's rescue plan includes using hostages to rescue hostages. Includes using hostages to rescue hostages. In fact, he comes and he embodies this. He comes as one of us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. He comes as one confined to a physical body, to a particular time, a particular geography, so that we might be rescued. He models this for us. Then he empowers us to go and to do likewise. Last week, um, Scott Dudley extended this invitation to kind of play around with prayer and fasting as a way to act as agents of change in our world. And we expected maybe 100, 200, more than 700 of you signed up. It was incredible to see that kind of response, that you want in on this. You want to act as agents of rescue. I want to be part of that too. Praying, fasting for our friends, for our family, for our neighborhoods is part of how we can do that. Jesus has led with his example. He empowers us to go and do likewise. Three things we can do to practice waiting well between the crying out and the answer. Let me close with this. There's actually five verses in the original lyrics to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We normally sing about two or three at the most, Um, The fifth verse, the one I'd never heard of until I looked it up, uh, goes like this. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. This Christmas hymn that groans and aches and names that in between. This Christmas hymn ends with worship. With worship of this God who is majestic, who is awe inspiring. It concludes with worship and the acknowledgement that this God, who, even when life doesn't make any sense, is still good, is also majestic and wonderful and worthy to be trusted with our whole lives and worthy to be worshiped. So we rejoice. We rejoice. Because Emmanuel who is God with us has come. And Emmanuel who is God with us is coming again. He is coming again and all wrongs will be made right and every tear will turn to laughter and every mystery will find rev- resolution and that pain and that doubt and that fear that you're experiencing right in this moment will be no more. Will be no more. It's a promise. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So rejoice, rejoice. Would you pray with me? Messiah, thank you that you have come. That we are an Easter people who get to celebrate Christmas as Easter people. That you have come, and you have said it is finished. And then you have invited us to be part of fulfilling what that means for it to be finished. To make real what is finished. To make concrete your healing, your acceptance. God, would you show us more of how to do that? Would you give us joy as we do that? And I pray in particular during this season, as we experience family and things maybe not being quite like we'd want them to be, God, would you. Um, remind us that you are nevertheless good. And will we be able to have some experience where we feel that in the depths of who we are? As one people, we just groan together and we rejoice together. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.